How many of you want some life hacks for 2020? Come on, we need it, you know? I saw a video this week of like an osprey snatching a shark out of the ocean in Maryland. I was like, it's, that's typical 2020 material right there, you know? That's just kind of year it's been, you know? Uh, I want to give you some life hacks that are actually going to help you. And uh, they're out of the book of Proverbs. So if you have your Bible, turn to Proverbs. Uh, and while you're turning there, let me give you some life hacks that I can't guarantee. I don't know if these will help you or not, but we found these on the internet. Here's one. Maybe this will help you out if you're uh, looking for a life hack. Go ahead and put that first one up there for me, Tyler. See? Life, there it is. Guess what? Your life hacks have been quarantined. <laughs> that's priceless. I mean, that's, that really, that's just par right there. That's just, that's par, you know, 2020. <laughs> well, I, it's a good thing I brought some others with me. It's a good thing I, I was, uh, I got, actually, I got one. From a friend of mine, Rick Steimling, he sent me a text message this week. He said, I'm all in with you on the 2020 thing. They're back there now. He said, I'm all in with you on the, uh, on the life hacks challenge you're doing. And here's one for you. He said, if you, uh, if you read from a study Bible standing up, it also doubles as a curl workout. So I thought if, you gotta, if you're trying to get in shape, you know, just consider that one. Uh, here's one. No cup holder, no problem. That's... that's that's pretty redneck right there. I don't know if you can see. That's a shoe. And I know that's somebody from Texas because I recognize that cup. That's Whataburger. If you've never eaten out of Whataburger, you just don't know fast food yet. Lord, bless Pennsylvania with Whataburger. All right, let me give you another one. Maybe this will help you out. If you're coughing uncontrollably, raise your hands above your head. It will stop. See, not all of these are foolish. Maybe that'll help you out. Let me give you another one real quick. If your car's about to get towed, get in it. Tow trucks are forced to stop to avoid kidnapping charges. So, again, I don't know if that's going to apply, but I would say give it a shot. Let me, let me give you another one. This one might help you out, you know, if you're trying to level up. Two bowls, one microwave. Just put a coffee cup under one. See, you don't need a bigger microwave. Just You need a life hack. That's all you need, just a life hack. Uh, and th- I got to show you one more because this, was, this is my personal favorite, and I think the guys will appreciate this, but if you're trying to get some cleaning done, you can power scrub like a boss. I'm sure Steve probably has an adapter that'll make that work for you, too. He's got, he's got, it'll be Milwaukee, of course. Hey, did you find Proverbs yet? If you found Proverbs, uh, we're going to be there again today. As I said last week, the purpose of Proverbs is just to give practical skills for living well in God's world. In other words, life hacks to help us do life better. And we started something last week, and I want to just throw this challenge out again today. We're doing a 31-day life hacks challenge. And the challenge is that every day of the month of July, you'll read a chapter of Proverbs. There's 31 chapters. There's 31 days. Today is the fifth. So if you got a late start, that's okay. Start on the fifth. Guess what? August has five days too, so you can catch up next month. Just start today on the fifth and journey with us. And I would challenge you to take a moment to write down the things that God speaks 
to you from it. Today, we're in chapter five because it's the 5th of July. And chapter five starts with one of those father to son speeches. There's 10 father to son speeches admonishing, Solomon's admonishing his sons to get wisdom. You know, you actually don't get to Solomon's Proverbs until you get all the way to chapter 10. So on Friday, you'll start to get into those little, uh, last week I called them like Holy Spirit-filled fortune cookies. They're just those little one-liners that you're like, wow, that's awesome. Let me read another one. You just open another one. But you're going to get to those on Friday in chapter 10. And I want to just encourage you to go after the wisdom of God. And so just... So you know how this is working in my life. Let me tell you what God spoke to me before we get into the message today. Proverbs chapter 5, the first verse spoke to me. It says, my son, pay attention to my wisdom. Turn your ear to my words of insight. So Solomon goes on in chapter 5 to tell his son what's going to happen if you don't do that. What's going to happen if you don't... Turn your attention to my wisdom and to my insights. I want to read just some of the things that he says is going to happen because this really spoke to me this morning. He said in Proverbs uh, verse 11, chapter 5, verse 11, he said, at the end of your life, here's the warning, you will groan when your flesh and your body are spent. You will say, how I hated discipline, how my heart spurned correction. I would not obey my teachers or turn my ear to my instructors. And I was soon in serious trouble in the assembly of God's people. That's what Solomon says, son, this is what it's going to be like at the end of your life. If you don't listen to wisdom, if you don't get instruction, you're going to get to the end of your life and you're going to say, I was soon in serious trouble in the assembly of God's people. What is he saying? He's saying you're going to make your decisions and then your decisions are going to make you. And there's going to be a moment in your life where you're going to have to give an account for all of the choices that you made, for all of your wisdom or lack thereof. And he's challenging his son. He's saying, don't get to the end of your life and be in serious trouble in the assembly of God's people. And can I encourage you as you open the word this week to just read it, but then to take time to pause and meditate on it and let God speak to you. And I I sat there and thought about that and then I just kind of saw it a different way. I thought, you know, no matter how you live your life, the odds are you are at the end of your days going to be in the assembly of God's people. Because we're all going to be gathered here to tell stories about you, and you're going to be on display in the front of the church. And I wonder in that moment if your soul will be at peace, or if you will say, at the end of my days, I was in serious trouble in the assembly of God's people. And I hear the word of the Lord speaking, our father, speaking through this father to his son. And what is he saying? He's saying, my son Pay attention, Proverbs 5, 1, to wisdom, to your, turn your ear to my words of insight. And that's what God wants to do for us this month. He wants us to turn our ear to wisdom and to insight. He wants to speak truth to us. So today, last week, I just began by talking about wisdom. Today, I want to talk about the wise ways of a king. The wise ways of a king. You know, when you read Proverbs 
Solomon spoke a lot about our ways. I'll give you one of them. In chapter 1, verse 32 and 33, he said, For the waywardness of the simple will kill them, and the complacency of fools will destroy them. The waywardness, he said, the waywardness of those people that always run in the wrong direction. The waywardness of the simple will kill them, but the complacent are the people that won't run anywhere. They're just missing out. They're just, they have no motivation. They're just lackadaisical about life and about choices. And he said the complacency of fools will destroy them. But then he contrasts it as he often does. He says, but in the next verse, whoever listens to me will live in safety and at ease and be without fear of harm. Maybe one of the most quoted verses in the Bible about our ways is found in Proverbs chapter three, verse five and six. Many of you could quote it. Solomon speaks to his son and he says this about our ways. He says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. He he didn't say don't have any understanding. He didn't say be be stupid and just say, well, I'm just going to trust God. No, he said, don't lean on your own understanding. And then he said this in verse six, in all your ways. Can we just say that together? In all your ways, submit to him, he says, and he will make your paths straight. Now, here's the irony of Solomon's life. The irony of Solomon's wise words is the way that he chose to go. How many of you know you can be a person that has received wisdom and you can still go the wrong way. Y'all are so quiet, you act like you never made a mistake. (laughs) How many of you know you can know the right thing and do the wrong thing? Come on, you bunch of sinners. Y'all get in, get in. (laughs) Y'all lying up in church like, I I can't relate to that at all. (laughs) Solomon, last week we looked at it, 1 Kings, he... He became king as a 20-year-old young man. He said, God, I need wisdom. I need help. And God said, because you ask for wisdom, I'm going to give you wisdom, but I'm also going to give you what you didn't ask for. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to prosper you. And the Bible says that Solomon, he built a beautiful temple to the Lord. He, He took the ark of God and he brought it back into the house of God. He restored proper worship. He, he threw this huge festival and he prayed this incredible prayer in first Kings chapter eight. And he had the most promising start. Everything looked right. But I want to talk about wise ways. Because in the end, Solomon didn't keep his end of the bargain. He didn't do the things that he was instructed to do. In fact, when when Solomon ended his reign in the next generation, the kingdom was divided. It was supposed to be a kingdom that God had promised his father David would last forever that forever your descendants will be on the throne. And yet the kingdom was divided because Solomon didn't walk in wisdom. And that's what I'm going to challenge you to do, to not just hear wisdom, to not just read about wisdom, to not just be an admirer of wise words, but to be a person that walks in wisdom. And the wisdom that Solomon had was the word of God. Now, he didn't have a a, a leather-bound Old and New Testament like we do, but he had the first five books of the Bible. 
He had the writings of Moses. He had the commandments. He had the instruction of the Lord. And Moses, God spoke to Moses about a day and a time when the people of God would desire to have a king. Prophetically, Moses saw the day of Solomon's reign. And he wrote in the word of God what kings should do. He said, one of these days, you're going to want a king. All the other nations have a king. When you get a king, make sure this is the kind of king you get. And king, when you become king, make sure these are the things that you do. And so Solomon had the wisdom of God at his disposal. And we're going to read that wisdom in Deuteronomy chapter 17. I want to tell you why it matters so much that you and I today in 2020 receive the wisdom that God has for kings. Because the Bible says in 1 Peter that we are a royal priesthood. That you and I are called royalty. The Bible gives us a picture in Revelation of Jesus with a name written on his robe and on his thigh. And the name is King of Kings and Lord of Lords. In Luke 12, Jesus said, do not be afraid, little flock, for your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. The Bible gives us a picture of what worship is like in heaven in Revelation 5. And it says, with your blood, you purchased for God persons from every tribe and language and people and nation. And you made them, us, to be a kingdom and priest to serve God and they will reign. What am I saying? You are the king's. We are those who are called to rule and reign with God in his future kingdom. And so we ought to lean in to hear a right now word about how a king should live. I want to talk about the wise ways of a king for a few moments. Look in Deuteronomy chapter 17 with me. Moses, again, he's speaking to future generations And he says in verse 14, when you enter the land the Lord your God is giving you and you've taken possession of it and you settled in it and you say, let us set a king over us like all the other nations around us. Be sure to appoint over you a king the Lord your God chooses. He must be from among your fellow Israelites. Do not place a foreigner over you, one who is not an Israelite, Now look at verse 16. Now he's going to give instructions to the kings. He says, the king, moreover, must not acquire great numbers of horses for himself or make the people return to Egypt to get more of them. For the Lord has told you, quote, from the Lord, you are not to go back that way again. Lesson number one. For the wise ways of a king, if you're a note taker, write this down. Don't go back to Egypt. Moses said, look, you're going to want a king and you're going to get a king. When you get a king, make sure the king doesn't take you back to Egypt. Do not do that. Now, stay there in Deuteronomy, but let me read a verse about Solomon, the king of Israel. First Kings chapter 3 verse 1 says this. Solomon made an alliance with Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and married his daughter. He brought her to the city of David until he finished building his palace and the temple of the Lord and the wall around Jerusalem. That's right. Solomon's first wife was from Egypt. Don't go back 
to Egypt. Solomon, I've given you wisdom. And the first rule that he broke was to marry Pharaoh's daughter. You can't be any more tied to Egypt than to have Egypt as your in-laws. For, you got to understand, for Israel, Egypt represents bondage. Most of you know the story. Egypt was the place God brought them out of after 400 years of captivity. When they crossed over the Red Sea, it was symbolic of us going through the waters of baptism. We die with Christ. We go into the water. We come out. We're free. We're liberated from our sin, from our past, from our bondage. God brought them through. Just like we're never to go back to that old life of sin, the people of God were never supposed to go back to Egypt. You don't go back there. And so... Solomon marries Pharaoh's daughter. Let me give you a good life hack question today. This is a great question we can ask ourselves. Anytime you're in a situation where you have to make a a choice, a, a, a moral decision, an ethical decision, here's a good question for you. Does this or can this take me back to bondage? That's the question. You need to ask yourself that question before you step into that activity, before you step into that uh, relationship or that, or, or that moment or that opportunity. Can this or will this take me back into bondage? Because the truth is, you have an Egypt. And your Egypt might be a different place than my Egypt. It might look different. It might smell different. But you've got an Egypt. You've got something in your life that you go, you know, I just can't afford to go there. I mean, I, I can do a lot of things. Thank God for liberty. Thank God for grace. But I know me. I know my past. I know where I've been, and I know what shackled me. I can't go there. Don't go back to Egypt. You know, the truth is not every sin tempts us the same. And so it, it's a danger for us to... to base our liberties and our freedoms in Christ off of everybody else's. You know, where the Bible's black and white, well, let's just, let's just be clear. But if, if it's an area of gray, those are the areas that, yes, you may call it liberty, but it also might be a vice. It also might be a place where the enemy wants to get a foothold. And by the way, that's all he wants to get. Just a foothold. Just a foot in the door. And you have to know There are some things, there are some places, there are some spaces that if I go there, if I engage in that, it's going to put me back in bondage. The Bible says in Hebrews 12 that there are sins that can easily entangle us, easily entangle us. Not every sin can easily entangle us. Not every sin can trip us up, but there are sins that can easily entangle us. And he says we're to throw off those things. So what's the sin in your life that you say, you know what, that's just, that's too, that's too easy That's too easy for the enemy to trip me up there. I can't go back. I can't go back into that bondage. You know, there's some people, they ask ask questions like, what's the worst sin? You know, they want to know, like, what's the worst sin? Can I tell you what the worst sin is? The one that trips you up. That's it. Worst sin for you might not be a temptation for me, but if it wrecks your marriage, that's the worst sin. If it ruins your life, that's the worst sin. If it causes you to fall into bondage and go back to Egypt, that's the worst sin. So the word of God to kings is very clear. Don't go backward and connect with the things that kept you in bondage. 
Here's what it says. Here's a proverb for you. You're going to love this one. I love Proverbs. Chapter 26, verse 11. A dog returns to its vomit. So fools repeat their folly. I don't even think that needs any exposition. That's pretty, that's pre- that's pretty gross. Pretty clear. We've all seen that and said, why? 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 No. He said, that's, that's what folly is like to a person that just keeps going back, keeps going back to the same sins, keeps going back and making the same mistakes. Don't go back to Egypt. It's dog vomit. Oh, but I'm, I'm stronger than I used to be. But I have a new understanding of God's grace, and we we don't have to live under dog vomit is what he says it's like for the person that just, God sets you free, and you know you're free, and then you're like, well, it's not so bad. Yes, it is. It's dog vomit. It's bad. Don't go back there. And that's the wise word to a king. Let me give you a, a, a life hack. Stop asking, is it okay? And start asking, is it wise? Is this wise? Is it okay to do that? Well, you know, Paul quoted the church in 1 Corinthians. They were saying this in 1 Corinthians 10, 23. I have the right to do anything, you say, but not everything is beneficial, he says. Then they say, I have the right to do anything, but not everything is is constructive. So it's not constructive. It's not beneficial. It's not about, is it okay? It's about, is it wise? Let me give you the second thing. This is wise ways of a king that Moses spoke about long before Solomon was ever born, certainly before he wore a crown. Look at verse 17 there in Deuteronomy 17. It says next, he must not take many wives or his heart will be led astray. Now, some of y'all know a little bit about Solomon's life, so it's almost comical to find this in the text. You're like, really? It said that, like that clearly? Hey, if you ever become king of Israel, don't take many wives. Number two, make your marriage the best it can be. Number one, don't go back to Egypt. Number two, make your marriage the best it can be. Listen, this this second command, that the king should not have many wives, Solomon didn't bend that rule. How many of you know he broke it off? (laughs) He broke it off. The Bible says in 1 Kings chapter 11, verse 1, King Solomon, however, loved many foreign women besides Pharaoh's daughter, Moabites, Ammonites, Edomites, Sidonians, Hittites. He had a thing for all the ites. (laughs) They were from nations about which the Lord had told the Israelites, you must not intermarry with them because they will surely turn your hearts after their gods. Which, by the way, was about worship, not race. He had, well, that's another message. I'm I'm trying to keep the service short. You understand? Like, I'm trying to give our team time to clean, and and I got to end, and I'm on number two, and I got four really good points. And so, 
It says, nevertheless, Solomon held fast to them in love. Verse three, he had 700 wives of royal birth and 300 concubines and his wives led him astray. Duh. My friend Rick, he sent me another text this week. He said the reason Solomon needed wisdom is because he had 700 mothers-in-law. That's, that's, I thought that was pretty good. I thought that's, that's true. How many of you understand Solomon may not have had access to internet pornography, but I would say he's masking a serious sexual addiction by his 700 wives and his 300-some concubines. So what's the application of that command for us? It's simply this, focus on your marriage. Focus on the marriage that you're in. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter five, verse 18, here's a word of wisdom. May your fountain be blessed and may you rejoice in the wife of your youth. Solomon wisely doesn't say rejoice in your young wife because none of us stay young for long, but he says rejoice in the wife of your youth. Continue to Cultivate that fountain of blessing in your life. And can I just say, if you're single here today, don't check out because this is the most convenient and opportune time of your life for you to work on you, to work on your relationships and to work on your sexual integrity. This is the most important time for you to focus on doing that. Don't wait, don't wait till you're married. Don't, don't dare think that, that marriage is some kind of a solution for, for lacking sexual integrity. You can work right now on being the best husband, being the best wife that you could ever be. Be the best person. Listen, spend less time searching for the one or swiping for the one and focus on becoming the one. Saying, this is who God has called me to be. See, there's, there's far too many. I would say guys, but the statistics say it's not just men. There's far too many people that are losing their crown over issues of sexual sin and indiscretion. So if you're gonna be the person that God calls you to be, you gotta be the person that is focused on your marriage and on not being controlled by sexual appetites. Let me give you a couple statistics that, that will uh, scare you into getting wisdom. 47% of families in the United States report that pornography is a problem in their home doesn't say 47% of families say they have it in their home. That's just the percentage of people that say it's a problem in their home. That matters because statistics also say that pornography use increases the marital infidelity rate by more than 300%. 11. That's the average age of a child that's introduced to pornography. 11. 94% of children will see porn by the age of 14. 55% of married men, 25% of married women say they watch porn at least once a month. These are American statistics. 56% of American divorces involve one party having a, quote, obsessive interest in pornographic websites. 56% of divorces. So, Whether you're married, whether you're single, I think wisdom is calling out in the street. 
I think wisdom is crying out. In fact, it's Proverbs 5 that we're reading today that speaks cautiously about the adulterous woman. Solomon writes to his sons and he says this in verse three. He said, for the lips of the adulterous woman drip with honey and her speech is smoother than oil. But in the end, she is bitter as gall, sharp as a double-edged sword. What is he saying? He's saying, ask yourself, ask yourself, is a moment of stolen pleasure worth destroying God's plan for your life? Is it worth the sacrifice? Because the satisfaction of your sin is quickly gonna taste into a, turn into a bitter aftertaste and you'll be spitting it out the rest of your life. He's saying it starts like honey from the honeycomb, but it's bitter like gall. So what is the Lord saying? The Lord's saying what Moses said in Deuteronomy 17, 17. He said, he must not take many wives or his heart will be led astray. The third one, I'm gonna let you write it down, but I don't have time to preach on it. The third one is this, don't get greedy. And I don't mind skipping this one because I'm talking about ways today, but we're gonna talk about wealth in a couple weeks. But look at the verse, Deuteronomy 17b. He says, he must not accumulate large amounts of silver and gold. Again, if you know Solomon's story, this is a little ironic. It says in 1 Kings 10, all of King Solomon's goblets were gold. All the household articles in the palace of the forest of Lebanon were pure gold. Nothing was made of silver because silver was considered of little value in Solomon's days. The king had a fleet of trading ships at sea along with ships of Hiram. Once every three years it returned carrying gold, silver, ivory, apes, baboons, King Solomon was greater in riches and wisdom than all the other kings of the earth. Verse 14 in that chapter says that he had 25 tons of gold delivered every year. And Moses says, if you ever become a king, don't accumulate large amounts of gold and silver. Don't get greedy. We'll talk about that more in a few weeks. Let me give you the fourth thing. This is the wisdom for wise ways for a king. Stay in the word. Stay in the word. Look one more time at Deuteronomy 17. Verse 18 says this. When he takes the throne of his kingdom, he's to write for himself on a scroll a copy of this law taken from that of the Levitical priest. It is to be with him. He is to read it all the days of his life so that he may learn to revere the Lord his God and follow carefully all the words of this law and these decrees and not consider himself better than his fellow Israelite and turn from the law to the right or to the left. Then he and his descendants will reign a long time over his kingdom, Israel. He's saying, listen, if you're going to be a king, you got to know the commands of God. He didn't say read it every day. He said write it down. Transcribe it. Put it in your own handwriting. Every day, read it. Go back to it. Can I challenge you today? Be like a king. That's what wisdom is calling out to us. Act like a king. The Bible says in Proverbs 14, 12, there is a way that appears to be right, but in the end, it leads to death. And it says it again in Proverbs 16. There is a way that appears to be right, but in the end, it leads to death. God wants to show us wise ways. 
God wants to give us his truth. I, I love the way Proverbs 25 communicates the heart of God. See, here's what we think. We think, you know, we open the Bible and it's, oh, it's hard. I don't understand. And then we close it back up. But here's what the Bible says about getting wisdom. Proverbs 25, verse 2. It is the glory of God to conceal a matter. To search a matter out is the glory of kings. Act like a king. Don't make excuses about what you don't understand. Grab a hold of what you do understand. It's the matter of a king, the glory of a king, to search out a matter. See, believe it or not, this, we're halfway through 2020. Can you believe that? It was July. We're halfway through this year. And, and I believe that this summer challenge of just opening your Bible every day and getting wisdom from God, I believe this can be the tipping point for what God wants to do in your life this year. I really do. God knows you're going to fill your days with information from somewhere. I believe if you'll be intentional to say, I'm going to get a word from God. See, the Bible, Hebrews 6.12 says the the word of God is like a two-edged sword. I love the way D.L. Moody said it. He said, this book will keep you from sin or sin will keep you from this book. In other words, you will not be unchanged by the word of God. The same sun that softens butter hardens clay. So your life will be changed. You're either going to become compliant and moldable and informable in the hands of your God, or you're going to become calloused with a heart of stone, and and you're going to reject the word of God. But what you do with God's word, it will be the tipping point or the tripping point for God's will in your life. And I want to challenge you to go after the wisdom of God. We need God's wisdom like never before. We need it. We need it. Every day I'm asking God for wisdom. We ought to do that every day. I've been doing it lately because the news changes every day. So, you know, I make one plan and then I go, well, that, that plan doesn't apply anymore. Had to do it this week, you know. Got an ordinance from the governor. Now you have to wear a mask anywhere you go, all the time. Okay, Lord, give us wisdom. Give us wisdom. You need God's wisdom too. So I'm going to pray for you today that you would do these four things. That you would not go back into bondage. Whom the Son has set free is free indeed. And yes, it's true. Jesus said no one can snatch those out of my hand, who are mine. But that doesn't mean they can't jump. (laughs) Nobody can take you from Jesus, but you and I, we can rebel with the best of them. Don't go back to bondage. I want to challenge you today. Be fully committed to your marriage. Father, today, I pray right now for marriages. Lord, I pray that you strengthen them, Lord, that you strengthen our relationships. I know this year has been a challenge. I know this year has been difficult. But God, we pray your blessing on our homes. Lord, for those that are are single, 
Lord, I pray that you give them a heart of integrity. Lord, your word declares that we keep the marriage bed holy. That's not just a word for, mari- a word for married people. It's a word for the people of God, that we keep the marriage bed holy. God, I pray that you would give us integrity in our lives. God, help us to not fall into the, the snares of the enemy. Help us to not go back into bondages that you've set us free from. God, I pray that you give us wisdom, Lord, to not be enticed or distracted by the the pleasures of this world, that we wouldn't just live our lives heaping blessing upon blessing for our own benefit, but that, God, we we would live from a posture of generosity. And God, I pray today that you help this church to seek out and discover wisdom from heaven. Lord, to not, to not be like Solomon who started out well and got wisdom, but didn't walk in wise ways. God, help us to be like Jesus, who your word says of him, he grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and men. God, help us to grow in wisdom this year. God, I pray today and this week that you would speak a word, not not this word, not the word you've spoken through me, but God, speak a, a right now revelatory word to each and every one that would open the, open the Bible and seek truth. God, we want to be hearers and learners of your truth. Lord, honor that commitment with fresh insight. Lord, let us get excited about your word this summer. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I want to invite you, if you would, stand with me all over this room.